I'm so excited uh, this morning, partly because uh, at 8 a.m. Um, there's a crew of people that arrive and we pray. We pray through the sanctuary across our campus. We pray for our preschool. We pray for the church. We pray through these seats. So every seat that you're sitting in, every seat is prayed over. So you prayed over today. And, and for a pastor, I want you to know how exciting that is to know that before I even get up to speak, this sanctuary has been set apart for God and for his use. And so I just get to come and do the fun part and uh, do what I enjoy doing so much. And, and so today I get to bring the word of God to you. And so if you have your Bibles, I invite you to turn to uh, Matthew chapter 6. And in Matthew chapter 6, we find uh, we're in the middle of, of um, the Sermon on the Mount. And in this portion of Matthew chapter 6, Jesus gives a teaching on worry. And uh, in this teaching on worry, Jesus helps us in, in how we deal with worry. And, and worry is a part of every single one of our lives, right? We worry about something, whether we like it or not, there's that portion of us that we worry. And Jesus gives us the remedy for worry, and it's right here, and I love it. And if you read throughout that passage of Scripture, you find Jesus is teaching us to do something very practical about worry. Today, my sermon is not about worry. Not really. Um, but, but it gets to the heart of it. And this practical thing that Jesus teaches about worry is where you fix your eyes. Right? What are you, what are you looking at? Because what you look at determines whether you'll live in your worry or you'll be liberated and freed from it. And so in the passage of Scripture, Jesus teaches. He says, look at the birds. They don't sow and spin, but they got everything they need. And he says, see the lilies? Right? He's, he's teaching them to turn your eyes away from yourself. Look up. Look at, look at the birds. Look at the lilies. And when you do that, we, we, we stop looking at our own needs. What am I going to eat? What am I going to wear? What, what is tomorrow? We worry about those things because where our focus is. And then the real remedy comes in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. Most of you already know this passage of Scripture because it is such a, a beautiful passage that gets us to the heart of how we move past worry. And that is, again, fixing your eyes in the right place. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And then he says, all these things will be added unto you. And I share this passage of scripture as we begin today's message. Because I'm in a sermon series called Living Our Mission. And there are three parts to the mission, right? And it's there on your bulletin. You all should know it by now. Authentically love God humbly serve one another. And now we're on part three of, of living out our mission. And that third part is intentionally sharing Christ. So I begin this whole thing about worry because I know something about you. And that is, when I say one of our missions in this church is to intentionally share Christ, you're like, oh no. Because <laughs> that's what everybody's so scared of doing, Right? We all fear uh, uh, sharing Christ. We have this anxiety and, and we, we, we struggle with that, right? Because when, 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 when I, yeah, what, what I want to say is, when what I seek in life revolves around me, 
then what I do is I strive to fulfill my own desires and do what's comfortable for me. Same as you, right? When that's what I'm seeking in life, that's, that's exactly like, that's the first thing I turn to is me and my desires, then, then I'm going to seek out all of the things that, that please me and the things that I don't like, I, I, I push away. And worry sits in when I don't get my way. It's true. Same as you. But when we live in that mindset of me first and all the things that I want to do and, and my comfort and my desires, when we live in that mindset, then we lose sight of God's plan. We, it's hard to fulfill God's desire for us because we're not interested in doing what God wants to do because we're all concerned about what we want. And can I just tell you, God loves you dearly. But I believe that God's not that interested in our comfort. He's more interested in our character. And so, this third part of our mission statement calls us to intentionally share Christ. And and that makes us nervous. It does. It makes me nervous sometimes, right? Because I'm being honest with you. And we feel this way. Because of how we see ourselves and how we see God. We, we feel this way because when, when our desire and our, what we seek after is about me, then I get worried and I get nervous. Because it makes me feel uncomfortable at times. Because I'm seeking what I want to do in my own life. And this all goes back to what we just talked about in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, of seeking first His kingdom and His righteousness, and that becomes the remedy for the worry in our lives, even though it doesn't make us all that comfortable to do that very much. We live sometimes in a world of fear when all we do is we look at what we want to do, right? Most people fear intentionally sharing Christ because of our fear of rejection, right? We don't want to be rejected when we tell people about Jesus. We fear failure. What if they don't believe? And I want you to know that's totally understandable. I get it because I felt the same way as as you probably too. Who wants to be rejected? Not me, right? Because that's painful. It hurts. So what we do is we don't put ourselves in the position to ever be rejected, right? We live these safe lives. And part of that then is we don't hardly ever intentionally share Christ because doing that makes us very vulnerable. But thinking this way moves us from the purpose of why we intentionally share Christ, which is to, to, to seek first his kingdom, right? That's, that's the whole message of that. When we, when we seek God's kingdom, we're, we're not looking at ourselves. See the birds of the field? See the lilies of the field? Take your eyes off of yourself. Seek first His kingdom and His righteousness because that's what sharing Christ is about. Our problem is that when we intentionally share Christ, we look in ourselves. That's what happens. And when my focus is on me, The only thing that brings me joy is doing what I want to do and not doing anything I don't want to do. 
No amens there? <laughs> but church, if we can change our perspective and where we look, right? When I can change the focus off of me and onto God, God's will, God's plan, God's kingdom, something amazing happens when it comes to how we intentionally share Christ and what it does in each of us. My eyes are no longer on me anymore, and in doing so, I can find the joy in sharing Christ. Believe it or not, church, you can find joy in sharing Jesus with the people you love and care for. You don't have to be worried or scared or nervous. There is great joy in that. There's no need to worry. And I'm going to just really in a fun, believe it or not, there's fun in preaching. <laughs> there's fun and practical way. I'm going to teach you just the easy and beautiful way, the joy of sharing Christ with others. I'm going to just um, use your own experiences about this, okay? Have you ever been on a missions trip? Most, many people have, right? When you go somewhere and you serve God in another country. Or, or, or have you ever gone and, and, and helped fed the homeless? Or visited an orphanage? Or just this past week, I got the great, great privilege of um, delivering the backpacks that we collected to Foster Elementary School. So much fun. And, and something beautiful happens when, when, we, when, we, when we don't look at our own needs anymore, right? When we take our eyes off of ourselves and we serve other people. Oh, man, it's exciting. If you've been on a missions trip and you get done at the end, you feel so blessed. You're like, oh, we should do this all the time. You know what happened? You've taken your eyes off of yourself. All the worries that you have of the things that you want and need, gone. And you focus in on what God has called you to do. Your focus is on God and others. And through that, oh, that was so much, that was so good. Amen? You guys experienced that? Have you ever served at a homeless shelter and at the end you, you feel like you've done something good? Because you, for, for that short moment, we're not looking at ourselves anymore. We did something altruistic. It's beautiful. And that's, that's where the joy comes when we intentionally share Christ. And Pastor Jeff and I, we got to go and deliver the, uh, the backpacks that we were collecting for the past month over to Foster Elementary School. And I got to, to meet the principal. We uh, pulled up in, the, in my truck. We loaded everything on a cart. We wielded it in. And, um, and the staff greeted us. They were so thankful they were gracious. We, we, we shared it with them. Come and meet our principal. The principal came out. Um, uh, her name is uh, Leah Sanders. And, uh, and Principal Sanders recorded a message to share it with you. And so here is uh, Principal Leah Sanders and her message to Mission Church. Hi, I'm Leah Sanders. And I'm the principal at Foster Elementary School. And I just want to say thank you to the Mission Church of the Nazarene for your amazing donations for our students. It's such an amazing community to be a part of. And if you still want to give things, our school always has needs 
that make you feel good? Yeah? It makes me feel good. I felt so good to be able to deliver it. You know why? Again, my eyes are off of myself. I was not going to go, Jeff. <laughs> I was busy. I was cranking my sermon out, planning for all these things, getting ready for Sunday. There's, pastors don't just work on Sundays. I just want you guys to know that. There's lots to do. And Pastor Jeff called down to Foster Elementary and said, hey, we got some backpacks we want to share with you. When is a good time? They said, today, bring it today. And so he popped in my office. Hey, Pastor, you want to go with me to deliver the backpacks to Foster Elementary School? And my eyes were right here. They were on my desk doing all the things. Oh, you know what? Let, let me get back to you. And, and then he was packing everything up. And then the Lord stirred it in my heart. I said, you know what, Jeff, I'll go, I'll go with you. Let's load it in my truck because my truck's bigger than your car. And we put everything in the back of my truck. We drove it out there. We did everything that we did. And when I left there, I was like, thank you, God, for this great opportunity to do this. I brought so much joy. Wait, did you feel joyful, Jeff? Wasn't it amazing? And then we blessed other people. And see, church, that's what happens when we take our eyes off of ourselves. I could have stayed in the office and continued to pound off and work and do the things that pastors do during the week, drink coffee and eat donuts. <laughs> I could do all that stuff, right? But instead of looking at what I, what I needed to do, when we take our eyes off of ourselves, we get the privilege to experience this amazing joy when it comes to intentionally sharing Christ, which is what we did when we delivered those backpacks to Foster Elementary School. And if it feels good, then let's do it more. Amen? Let's do it. Let's do it. Because joy is when we seek first His kingdom and His righteousness. And what I'd like to do now is just the fun part of the sermon I was telling you about. I've asked a couple of people to help me. So, uh, Barb and, and, and Lori, would you guys come? And I'm going to use the, the, uh, the, the letters J-O-Y, joy, um, as a way to just illustrate how we truly, truly, truly find joy in serving others. Okay? Um, and so, who, you guys know the acronym of what joy stands for? Yeah, there's a song that goes with it. I'm not going to sing because uh, it wouldn't be very worshipful. <laughs> but uh, what does J stand for? What does O stands for? And then why? You. Okay. Who's going to be Jesus? Oh. <laughs> Are you sure? No. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Here you go. Jesus, others, and you. Okay, stand right here, Laurie. So I'm going to show you what happens when we put ourselves first. Okay? Simply looks like this. Anybody can read this? <laughs> it spells... Yoj. Why don't you guys switch places? <laughs> and even if you do this, it still spells something that we can't even pronounce. Yajol, yaja, or whatever, right? And when we put ourselves first, this doesn't make any sense. When we put ourselves first, we're looking at me, and I never intentionally share Christ. You know why? Because it makes me uncomfortable. I don't want to be rejected. And there's no joy in this. And so, you know what we might do? Well, why don't we put others first? Uh, I'll switch places with you, Lori. Others first. Okay? 
Oh, we're reading it backwards? That's right, because you guys are reading it this way. So, when we began, I should have been on this side, right? Thank you, Rochelle. See, she's a teacher. I'm not. <laughs> Here we go. No, okay. This looks backwards to me, but because this says joy for me. Anyway, so this is wrong, right? Now, um, I'll move over here. And we got others first? Okay. Oh, boy. This, I didn't think about that. So, even when you put others first, right, and then Jesus, and then you, what does this spell? Oh, what does that mean, right? Sounds like the pizza place. Oh, geez. <laughs> and you know, this is, we, we have the right intention of, hey, let's put others first. Uh, putting others first is a good thing, right? But you know what happens when, when we put others first and we think, oh, I don't want to ever offend someone else. So maybe I just won't share. I don't want to get rejected by them. I don't want them to feel uncomfortable. So when we put others first, we think of what they might think, and, and we end up never intentionally sharing Christ still. And there's no joy in that. So let's fix the problem. Okay? So why don't you go stand on that side? And, and then why don't I go in the middle. Even if we did this, right? Jesus, you, and others. Doesn't it get us closer to the word joy? How, what does this spell? Joe. You're almost there. You're almost there. Joe. <laughs> Jesus, you, and others, right? And here's the reason why we want to put Jesus first. Because that's what really matters. See, when we think that what we, we we're afraid of what others might think, have you ever thought and been afraid of what Jesus might think? When we don't share. We're so worried about what others think. What does Jesus think? And I think that is the most important question that we should ask ourselves. And so, when I say to myself, what if I, or you, what if we just get out the way? And then we allow Jesus to have his way. To love others. And then we come at the end. Finally, when we live this way, what is the spell? This is where joy comes from. And this is the fun part, right? This is a, a, a lesson. Uh, this is Education Sunday. I'm like, I'm doing a lesson plan right here. <laughs> but this is where joy comes from. When we don't make ourselves first and get in front of everything. And oh, look, it's me. Everything that I want is the most important thing. No. Because when we do that, we worry when this doesn't happen. When all of the things that I want to happen doesn't happen. And then I don't want to be uncomfortable. So you know what? We're not going to do some things. When I think about only me, we don't intentionally share Christ. But when we think about Jesus and seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, we serve others. And oh my goodness, there is joy. Serving Jesus. Let's give them a big hand. Thank you so much. Does that make sense? What Jesus shares in Matthew 6.33 when he says, Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. Because if you don't, all the things that worry you in this world will come to pass. Because we, we live in that. 
that's where that's 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 where we all stand in 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 the center of me. And so, church, I'm so excited to to let you know that when we live in the perspective of making Jesus first, serving others, and then us being at the end, true joy can come in, in intentionally sharing Christ. That joy comes when we go on mission trips, when we deliver backpacks. It's real. It's real. And it's how we ought to live. And now that we know the joy that comes from sharing Christ, from seeking Him first, how do we do it then? What's the plan moving forward that we can all be a part of as we intentionally share Christ? I want to show you how we can practically and intentionally share Christ. And, this is the best part, involve Jesus in the process, right? If we're going to share Christ with others, we ought to have Christ be a part of the process. And so I believe that in order to intentionally share Christ well, we need to spend time intentionally praying for others and asking God to help us as we share his son Jesus. And so in your bulletin you probably have a yellow card that looks something like this. If you have one like that, we'll go ahead and bring it out, hold it in your hand. I want you to feel it, get used to it. See that? Go ahead. Pull it out. I'm not going to continue my sermon till you guys all pull it out. Thank you. I see some of them. We're going to be here till 2.30. (laughs) Oh, everybody's finding it now. So hold it in your hand because I want you to be comfortable with this. Right? Um, The way you use this prayer card is simply by writing the names of people that you care for and love who are far away from Jesus and praying for them every single day. It says, I commit to pray for my family and friends and neighbors. And that's all it is, is committing to pray for people that you care for and you love. Can we ask you a question? Have you ever tried to intentionally share Christ with someone having never prayed for them before? Like, just, oh, hey, would you like to know Jesus? Would you like to come to my church? Having, having done none of the legwork, the spiritual legwork that it requires for us to invite someone to Christ. Have you ever tried doing that without the help of God? I have. And I will tell you from experience that it's fruitless. It's hard. It normally doesn't work. And you know what happens? We get discouraged by that. We're like, it doesn't work. Nobody wants to go to church. (laughs) And that's because we've done nothing to prepare to invite our family and friends to this wonderful place. I know one thing. Every single person here loves the church. And you love the Lord. And you would want nothing more than the people that you love and that you care for to be sitting beside you, worshiping our God, living their lives in service to the King. Amen? That's our heart. And if we're going to get to that place, then we have to do something about it. And that hard work is to pray for the people that you care for and love. It's really not that hard. 
but it's that important. And it lays the foundation for, for how the, the, the success that we, we have. So what I do is I have an alarm on my phone that goes off at 10.02 every day. And when I hear that alarm, it's a reminder for me to, to pray. And, and I want to be 100% completely honest with you about these prayer cards. I will tell you this, and this is true, true, true. You can take this to the bank. There is no power in this card. But there is power in prayer. This is nothing. But when you pray for people and their name gets into the throne room of heaven and you put them beside God, great things can happen. I cannot guarantee you at all that the people that you write on your card will ever come to church or ever come to know Jesus. I cannot guarantee you that at all. But what I can guarantee you is this. If you don't pray, I guarantee you nothing will happen. And if you do pray, the guarantee that I give you is that there is hope. There is hope for the people that we love and care for to come to know Jesus. And that hope I will hang on to for dear life, for the people that I love. If you do pray, there is great hope. I have been using prayer cards just like this for the past 20 years in my ministry. In fact, I started my church in Hawaii by using prayer cards. Rochelle and I had the first two prayer cards. And in the course of those 20 years of using this as my evangelism strategy of reaching people for Jesus, asking for God's help, that he would knock down the walls and build bridges to their hearts, praying for them by name, calling out and asking God, help me, Lord, help me find this person, help this person come to know you, use me however you can. I have seen many, many Many people whose names were just on cards kneel down at the altar and open, G- open their hearts to Jesus. Because prayer works. Cards don't, but prayers do. I have two cards right here in my Bible that I used the last time we did it. Remember these green cards? On these cards are 20 names. Some of them are families, so there's more names. See, I'm smart. I don't just pray for individuals. I pray for families. <laughs> and of the 20 names I have, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 8 families have come to church as a result of prayer. Now, are they here every Sunday? No, just like you, they don't come every Sunday. <laughs> but, but they're here. They've come. Isn't that amazing? Eight out of 20. Some of them are your children, by the way. Because God hears our prayers. Oh man, I can't, I can't begin to just tell you how exciting this is for me to share this message. Because as we move forward as a church and we get serious about prayer and you show up at Sunday at 8... 8 o'clock in the morning. And then on Mondays, um, 
Angie leads a prayer at noon, and then on Tuesdays at 8.30 in the morning, and, uh, and we pray daily for the people that we know and that we love, prayers will change the, the course of our church. Do you guys want revival? It's not going to happen if we don't pray. It's true. And if you just write one name on your card, just one. Pastor, I don't know ten people. Well, then write one. The one that you do know and the one that you do love. And you pray for that one person. It's better than not praying at all. And if you have ten names on your card but you never pray, what good is that? Church, I believe in prayer. And I know you do too. I'm going to close with two amazing stories, true stories, before we leave. First story is when I was a student at Point Loma. One night after dinner, some friends of mine, as I was leaving the cafeteria, said, Hey, Gordon, you want to go watch us jump off the Ocean Beach Pier? You want to join us? I'm like, I'm not going to join you, but I'll watch you and call 911 just in case. So we jump into my buddy's cars and about five of us drive down to Ocean Beach and we're about to, they're about, they're walking towards the pier and they were going to jump off. I'm like, these guys are crazy. But as we got close to the pier, we saw news cameras and lights and uh, the, the reporter was interviewing someone and so we come behind one of the producers and say, hey, what's, what's going on on the pier tonight? And this, the guy, with it, he just caught a 300-pound shark yesterday right off the pier. <laughs> oh! <laughs> so everybody does an about face, and we start walking off the pier. And as we're walking off the pier, we see a lady. She's not dressed so well, kind of short lady, pushing a shopping cart. I don't know what the first thing comes to your mind. First thing comes to my mind. What a sweet lady returning the shopping cart to the store. That's not what you were thinking? We thought she was homeless, right? And as she saw us, she stopped and she began to fumble through the things in her shopping cart. And then she got what she wanted and she walked right up to the five of us. And then she started putting these, these little booklets in our hands. And I looked at mine and I opened it up and it was... One of those tracts from 1940 that tells you how to come to know Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Like the four spiritual laws, but from 1940, you know. And, uh, and then she starts talking to us about Jesus. And we're like, amazed. wow, this is an amazing lady. And, uh, and the guy that we were with, actually, it was uh, those of you who went to college with me, Boogie Rose was with us, right? And uh, his name is Eric Rose. Eric Rose found Jesus in this church. He's a pastor in Orange County now. Eric Boogie says, Oh, thank you, ma'am, but uh, we're, we're all Christians here. And we attend Point Loma Nazarene University. And uh, yeah, we love Jesus. And, and Boogie did. And, uh, and, and you know, like, yeah. And so she goes, Oh, that's so wonderful. And she introduced herself to us. Her name was Cleopatra. Anybody ever come across Cleopatra in Ocean Beach before? She's real. And, uh, and Cleopatra begins to tell us about her life. 
And this was a divine moment. She called herself a street evangelist. She says, I pray through the streets of Ocean Beach, walking around every night, and when I come across people just like you, I tell them about Jesus, and I pray for them. And we're like, wow, that's an amazing testimony. And then, as we began to talk, and she was quoting scripture like Bob Smith, I mean, like, I mean, just off the top of her head, just amazing, one after the other, we were blown away. We were in awe. We knew that we were in the presence of someone who loved Jesus madly. Talk about intentionally sharing Christ. That's what she was doing in her own way. I wouldn't do it that way, but that's what God called her to do. And then she asked us this profound question that embarrassed us all. She said, oh, yeah, I pray every night for hours walking through the streets of Ocean Beach. By the way, how how much do you guys pray? So we all looked at Boogie and said, tell her. Tell her. <laughs> so Boogie said, well, I don't know. About, an, about an hour a week. <laughs> and she said, an hour a week? And she bristled. And then she put her finger out and scolded us. How can you call yourself a Christian and pray only an hour a week? And she berated us for like 10 minutes. And we were like, oh, yeah. And then she taught a principle of prayer that I have coined the Cleopatra principle of prayer that I want to share with you. And this is what she said. Listen, boys. This short Greek lady pushing a shopping cart, passing out Christian tracts from the 1940s, shared this piece of truth that I'll never forget. She said, listen, boys. Little prayer, little blessing. More prayer, more blessing. Much prayer, much blessing. Pray much. That's exactly what she said. Pray much. I've never forgotten that. Because it's true. When it comes right down to it at the end of our life and when we get up to heaven, I highly, highly, highly doubt that God will say to anybody on this world, You know what your problem was? On earth, you prayed too much. God will never say that. But you know what I think he might say to some of us? Haven't heard from you in a while. Where you been? Because the only time I hear from you is when you give thanks for your food and half the time you don't even really mean it. Really, Pastor? Yeah, I'm going to go there because that's how important prayer is. We need to pray more and we need to pray better. And we need to live into what Cleopatra taught and we need to pray for the people that we love. I think this prayer much idea comes from 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 16 through 18, when the Apostle Paul writes these beautiful words, Rejoice always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Wow. That's right there. It's saying, pray much. And we need to live into that. And we need to take to heart 
One of my favorite passages of prayer in Colossians 4.2. Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. Because God is answering so many of our prayers and we don't even know it. Because after we pray, we forget. We don't even watch. And we can't give God any thanks. That's why being in the presence of God, continuing in prayer, reminds us of the things that we've prayed for and that God has answered and we can give Him thanks for. The names that show up on your card when they show up to church on Sunday morning, when they open their hearts to Jesus, oh, let's give God thanks. You know what the beautiful thing is? As I look over here where a lot of our young people are, you can get cards and pray for your friends at school. We can give our cards to our children and have them write down the names of their classmates in kindergarten and preschool. And you know what will happen? They will do it. They will believe in their prayers and their friends will come to church. Yeah. Parents, take a couple extra cards. Give them to your kids. Let them show you how it's done. Last story. Great story. True story. When Rochelle and I planted the Bridge Church, we used prayer cards as our evangelism strategy. On the very first card that I had, I wrote ten names of people that I went to high school with. We had just moved back to Hawaii. We didn't have a lot of the the contacts that that we have now in the people that we know. We just got back and we got a card. And I I said, who who am I going to pray for? I said, I'm going to pray for my friends from high school. Uh, and, and junior high that I went to. So I just wrote down all the guys' names that I played basketball with growing up. Half of the names of the people on my card, I didn't even know where they were. Hadn't talked to them in 10 years. I left Hawaii, came to Point Loma, four years here, and I spent two years serving on staff at San Diego First Church. Then I spent the next four years in seminary preparing to become a pastor. Graduated with my Master's of Divinity and went right back to Hawaii to plant a church wrote down 10 names on my prayer card. Haven't been back home for 10 years. Just, okay, see who, who's on my list. Ronald, Calvin, Mendel, and Leslie. Wrote down all my friends, Wilson. And I, I, had a couple of, <laughs> I had a couple of names of people in my little red book. Back then, we didn't have cell phones. And, and there was no internet. I couldn't just go online and, and I had to open up the yellow, the white pages. <laughs> you guys don't even know what white pages are. <laughs> Poor thing. Open up my face. Oh, right there. And then there were there were five Wilson lambs. Hello, may I speak to Wilson? This is Gordon. Wrong number. Oh, sorry. <laughs> you know, I had to get the right one. And finally, I found my friends and started calling them. Hey, and this is the conversation. Uh, hey, Ronald, this is Gordon Wong. Gordon, what? You stay in the mainland? No, I moved back to Hawaii. And then the hope, what are you doing? And I got the opportunity to tell them, that I'm planting a brand new church and I'd love for them to come and be a part. And so, oh, yeah, 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 okay, I'll try to come. I'll try to come. That's what I got all the time. I try to come. And then I said, oh, by the way, hey, you have so-and-so's number. And I finally got a hold of somebody that had my friend. His name is Mendel. His last name is Wong, same as mine. No relation. You got Mendel Wong's number? Yeah, his number. So got the number. Called Mendel. And... Uh, same thing. Hello, may I speak to Mendo? Oh, this is Mendo? Who's this? Gordon Wong. Oh, Gordon, what? You stay in the mainland? No, I moved back to Hawaii. And then, so we're speaking in pigeon. And uh, I, I get the chance to tell him that I'm planting a brand new church. And I'd love for him to come on the very first Sunday. And instead of saying, I'll try to come, Mendo says, 
Oh, yeah. Shoot, bra. I'm going to come. That's what he said. Okay? <laughs> that means, yes, I will be there. <laughs> so I sent him the information in a packet through the snail mail because there was no email at the time. <laughs> 1998. There may have been, but none of us were on it. He gets, he gets, the, he gets the information packet. I call him a few more times. And he shows up on the very first Sunday that we opened the doors to the Bridge Church. Amazing, right? Here's my, one of my good friends from, from middle school and high school and his wife, Leslie. And, um, and I think I have a picture of them right here. This is their family uh, today. He just sent me this recently. So that's Mendel and Leslie on the left-hand side. And I got to lead Mendel to Jesus. He was on my card and his wife. I got to baptize the two of them to the Lord. And Mendel, in about three years after that, became the worship leader at the Bridge Church. And today he's still leading worship at the Bridge. And then Mendel told me the backstory of something I didn't know about that call that night. And this is what he told me. I'm going I'm to be Mendel for a second. Hey, bro. <laughs> you know the night you didn't call me up? I got to tell you what happened. I said, well, what happened? He said, Laz and I, we was just talking about finding one church to go to. Right? We still asked, we talked, oh, we should start going to church. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, the phone ring. Boom. You stay on the auto line inviting us to your first church service. And I realized, God hears our prayer. a divine moment right there. That phone call. God was orchestrating it and preparing it long before I even called. God was already at work in the heart of Mendel. Knowing that this man would give his heart to Jesus, his wife would, they would have four beautiful children, and the, the guy that's in the back in the middle, that's Isaiah. Today, Isaiah is going to Bible college preparing for the ministry. You never know what happens to the life of a family. You can change their trajectory. With one of these things. By praying. Church. Let's move forward. Let's do this. Let's find the joy in intentionally sharing Christ. Because it's not about me. It's not about you. Right? Let's put ourselves aside. Jesus first, others, and you. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all the worries that you have, they go away because it's not about me. It's about him. It's about doing what God calls us to do. Would you use your prayer cards? Would you set an alarm on your phone and pray every day? (laughs) Or in the words of Cleopatra, pray much. This is what intentionally sharing Christ looks like. Intentionally praying for people that you love that are far from Jesus. Seeking his kingdom first and finding great joy in seeing God at work in others' lives. And pray for your family and friends and then invite them on September 12th when we have Kupuna Sunday. They said Kapuna. And Jen, where are you at? 
You were real close. <laughs> it's kupuna. Maybe I gave the wrong information. But uh, that's Grandparents' Day. It's going to be a great day. I'm going to be out there chefing it up, flipping omelets for everybody, right? And the omelets are made to order. You can choose what you want. Um, I want spam and green onions and cheese. And I'll make that for you. We have other cooks there. It'll be a great fun day having breakfast before our service. And we're going to talk about Jesus here. And prayerfully, those people that you've prayed for and that you've invited will show up and lives can change. Let's intentionally share Christ. Amen? Would you bow your heads and pray with me? Father in heaven, would you burden our hearts to pray for those that we love? Would you not only hear our prayers, but would you answer them? And would you lead those who we love that maybe are far from you, would you lead them closer to you? And Lord, we pray, help us to focus our eyes, not on me, but on you. And help us to pray and plant seeds that we can reap the harvest for your kingdom. Oh Lord, thank you for being so faithful and so good. And it is in your name.